across America and around the world. This is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. Welcome to Veterans Radio. I am Jim Fawson. I'm the officer of the deck today. We've got some great programs for you. I think you'll find very interesting. We always want to remind you, you can find more about Veterans Radio at its Facebook site or at the web. VeteransRadio.org is our new URL, VeteransRadio.org. Where we're on the web 24-7, you can find a lot of our podcasts there as well. We post new ones every Tuesday, so you can get a new story, a new interview, something you didn't know before by going to veteransradio.org. And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors. First up, we want to thank National Veteran Business Development Council, nvbdc.org. It was established to certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses. You'll find out how they can help your business by going to nvbdc.org. We want to thank Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans fights for veterans' disability rights all across the nation. You can reach them at 800-693-4800 or on the web at LegalHelpForVeterans.com. We want to welcome to Veterans Radio today, Dwight Sterling. Uh, Dwight is a retired major. Uh, he, we're going to talk about his background a little bit, but he's an expert. Uh, he has a, a doctorate uh, he, in something called the Ferris Doctrine that he, he did his thesis on. Don't worry, folks, this isn't too complicated, and it's trying to address a real issue. Dwight, welcome to Veterans Radio. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Thank you. Well, you're in. Uh, you spent 21 years uh, in service uh, as an active duty JAG officer. You were also uh, deployed overseas as part of a NATO thing. Tell us a little bit about your background. You know, I, I joined late in life, Jim, as a 32-year-old. I was working at a big law firm in, in Los Angeles, and then a 9-11 happened. And that, like a lot of us, it really turned my world upside down. And so within a couple of months, I had you know, quit my civilian job and was back at uh, Fort uh, Jackson, South Carolina for my boot camp. And then I did that and became an officer, went into the infantry for a while. And then I realized that it's what my real skill set is as a lawyer. And so I switched to being a JAG. And you have time both active duty and, as I say, with the uh, California National Guard. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. I was, you know, active uh, with the guard for about uh, about just twelve years, and then uh, went back into reserve type of a status at the end of my time. You hold your bachelor's degree from Panoma College, your your doctorate, uh, juris doctorate, or law degree from USC, and a doctorate in education from Pepperdine University. So uh, yes, you're a, you're yeah. a schooled. Uh, You've, you've done all this great schooling, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about, applying it to, to something that is uh, sounds esoteric. It's the Ferris Doctrine. Can you tell us what that's about for the military uh, family? Yeah, it, it, it does sound esoteric, but it's not. And when it gets down to it, it's really quite simple. It's a, it's a judicial rule uh, that says that if you serve in the military, 
Uh, it's where you can't sue for any harm that uh, you incur, that you sustain uh, so while you're a part of the military. So if you're hurt, uh, be it through the negligence of a doctor or be it through uh, a training accident or be it through even something like a sexual assault, it's where the rule is that you cannot bring a lawsuit against the wrongdoer. So whereas if if um, um, if uh, so any of that harm that I just had described, if that took place in, you know, in the civilian world, of course, it's where you could sue and have your day in court and hold the person, you know, to account in a court of law. But the Ferris Doctrine, you know, says in a nutshell that the rule of civil liability doesn't apply uh, to folks who serve in the military. So this is a, a United States Supreme Court decision from 1950, and it arises out of uh, uh, a, a individual who died in a fire at a New York military barracks, and his wife uh, tried to sue the Army for her husband's death in the fire. And the, and the result is uh, this really broad-sweeping uh, doctrine that's been applied for... 70 years now or something that uh, right. military members no matter what the injury would not not necessarily on the battlefield but injuries you know you you trip and fall uh in the office uh at the barracks uh, you, you don't get to sue anybody no that's right and that's right it does stem from that a case back in uh, the late part of the 40s that's when the fire happened up in upstate uh, new york um, and it was a terrible you know, accident. It was a faulty heater at the barracks at Fort. Uh, it's the it's the forts up in upstate uh, New York. It slips my mind. Um, and uh, the right. And what happened is through this, uh, you know, this uh, so contractor error with the installation of this heater in the middle of the night, um, the barracks just. You know, it just catches on fire, and there are flames, and and it's it's a group of officers, of young officers, so many of which had served, you know, on D-Day in the Second World War. This is this is like 1948, um, and almost all of them, uh, you know, were killed in this fire in a very kind of tragic and gruesome manner. And so I've talked to some of the families of like of like the relatives of 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 some of the officers who passed, and the devastation that that did with the death of their dads or their grandfathers is just untold. Um, and, and it really kind of broke my heart to talk to these folks. But so as a result, yes, it's like what you said, it's where the wives um, and the survivors have brought a lawsuit against you know, the army under the Federal Tort Claims Act. And the Supreme Court, well here at the lower level courts, it's where the courts all ruled in favor, you know, in favor of the families. And the suits were allowed to go forward, but then the military brought the appeal up uh, to the Supreme Court, and they took the case, and they came down with this doctrine that said, um, you know, whereas if a civilian is hurt you know, due to the the, uh, the mistake of, you know, uh, um, by a military member, um, a military member, you know, a service member, if they're hurt by a colleague. As a result of the error of a colleague, it's where they can't get their day in court. It's where they can't file a civil suit. And that happened in 1950, uh, so and it's the Ferries case, and that is now the Ferries uh, 
a doctrine. And now 73, yeah, you know, now 73 years later, it's still, yeah. you know, it's, it's you know, still good law. Well, it's, and it's one of those things where you go, wait a minute, I gave up my right to sue for negligence, for simple wrongdoing. Somebody, and, and indeed that's what the doctrine held. Now, um, uh, you know, doctor, <laughs> play play law professor here. This is a United States Supreme Court case, so does every court have to follow this? Uh, yes, it does. It's that's that's how you know, our system of law works. If the Supreme Court you know, issues a um, you know ruling, uh, it applies you know to every you know person in every state in the country, and so it becomes what's called as a binding uh, a precedent. And it's what's known as, as a case law because it's you know made by a case by a judge or judge made law, and, and yes, um, and it has been expanded to every nook and cranny of of kind of wrongdoing or harm that happens in the military. Um, if you're on an MWR trip on a rafting trip, and uh, you know due to an error of of the rafting uh, so guides or a problem with your raft. It's where we've had uh, so many folks who have died on these uh, trips and their families have sued. And it's where the court applied the doctrine there. Uh, if you're in the commissary, if you get bad food and, and, and you get you know, sick, if they're well, like right now, if the water at your base is contaminated, it's where that applies and you can't sue because it's where the, you know, Jim, it's where the theory is that, uh, you know, it's where this harm is deemed by the court to be uh, an incident uh, so to service, um, and that basically means that it happened in the line of duty, and the court has said, as you know, which what these lower courts have applied this uh, as a precedent to each one of these cases, and said that you know service members, if they're harmed, you know, by a fellow a service member, it's where they can't have their day in court. Well, this 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 is, uh, is the sort of thing that drives regular people a little crazy because it, as you say, it's. It's sort of creeped out like weeds to every crook and daddy. And you've been following this and, and, and been scholarly on this for a long time, and you are the founder of the Center for Law and Military Policy. And one of the things that, you know, sometimes uh, bad facts uh, make bad law, sometimes good facts make better law, is the are the courts now taking this issue up in the in the context of sexual harassment claims or negligence claims, uh, and, and and saying maybe yeah. maybe there's a little exception or maybe there's some things around the edges we can do here. What's the current status well, yeah. of this? Yeah, and I'll just say this at the top as I answer what you've asked here, Jim, and that is that civil liability is really the only way to hold uh, so people to account when uh, you know there's a mistake made you know be it on the freeway with you know bad driver be it with uh, a mistake where where you know where your employer uh, takes retaliation against you where you, you know and say you're the whistleblower and you're fired it's a wrongful termination it's where you know it's where the ability to file a civil claim and to bring and and really to speak as uh, a truth the power is the way that our government and our constitution has kind of envisioned kind of the little guy being able to uh, so have his day and to hold accountability to, uh, uh, 
uh, to, to those who who are in charge, and that's how our system is built. And so you ask, you know, are, you know, are there chains in the armor of the fairies doctrine? And by the way, I'll just go on record as I have in front of Congress and and in my scholarship. I'm a I am a big uh, a critic of the fairies doctrine. I mean, I will, you know, it's where I'll tell you what it is, but at the same time, I think it's the worst, you know, law that has been on our books for. Uh, for years, the kind of damage it's done to lives of service members, um, it's just, it's just, you know, it, 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 it's where it can't be put into words. And so I want to see it, you know, kind of a ripped, you know, hook, line and sinker out of, of our, like of our legal system um, and thrown into the trash heap. Um, and so, yes, it's where there have been some, you know, it's, it's where the, that's what there have been some chinks in the armor of the fairies doctrine, and in particular, uh, in the realm or in the scope of sexual assault. And as we know, it's 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 been it's been an, a um, a big problem, even up to the level of like an epidemic, where uh, so female service members, uh, so by and large, um, have been assaulted by their colleagues, and oftentimes it's a senior a member. Who will you know rape or assault you know a junior member? Um, I've done a lot of work in this area, and and yes, you know up until now, it's where if you know it's where uh, so if and when uh, uh, the victim uh, so brings a civil suit against you know the perpetrator, it's where the court you know that judge of that courtroom will look at the fairies doctrine and will say, look. Uh, you know, you, uh, so as the victim, were hurt by a fellow a service member, and the Supreme Court has said that, uh, you know, that is an incident uh, to, to your service, and therefore the court will dismiss that case and throw it out of court, and the victim will not be allowed to uh, suppress that uh, a case. And the defendant, which is the wrongdoer here, which is the rapist, it just gets off a scot-free in terms of civil liability. And as you know, with, with the application of the UCMJ, uh, it's, where, you know, it's where there can always be a court-martial against you know, the, uh, the uh, perpetrator. But I'm sure you are, are well aware, as is the audience, that it's where the application of the UCMJ to people in power, like your as a colonels or your sergeants uh, uh, or, your, you know, or your sergeant's major, uh, it's where the application there is very uneven. It's where it's easy to go after uh, the privates, but it's where the system is not inclined to go after those at the top of the food chain. Um, and so often they'll, it's where there'll be no civil liability, that's what the, you know, which is a result of the Ferris Doctrine. And then, and then the chain of command, uh, you know, it's where they won't go after the perpetrator either. Well, it, and so the result, you know, it's where there's no liability at all. There, here, and, and this is, I want to bring this back down to something simple for our, the audience to think about. The doctrine was set up that if, okay, if, if you get harmed in the service of the military as part of your military service, you can't, there's no civil liability under the Ferris Doctrine. But when we're talking about sexual harassment and sexual assault, and the Ninth Circuit recently used this kind of language, um, it's clear the act of alleged sexual assault was not incident to military service. Nobody can say the colonel, the sergeant, whoever, uh, the, the, the private on private, uh, that that sexual assault 
is part of military service. So do you think the courts can can carve out a an, an exception to the Ferris Doctrine, and does it ultimately have to get up to the Supreme Court to, to carve that out? How's, how's that going to play out? And I wanted to mention earlier, Congress could do something, and they haven't. But, but, but right. a, a, answer that question on the carve-out. I will, I will. And like you have said here, uh, for the Ninth uh, Circuit uh, last year, you know, had a sexual assault case of this type. It was a service member, a service member. Um, and the victim you know, brought a civil case out here in California uh, and the district court. And so that's the trial court uh, kind of ruled in her favor and said that the Ferris doctrine, that it uh, did not apply. And then it went up on appeal. It's where it's where the military then, you know, it's where they filed the appeal. And the Ninth Circuit said, uh, just like you said here, Jim, that the act of a sexual assault is not you know, incident to service that that is a crime it's it's a you know it's it's awful it's a tragedy it's uh you know it's reckless behavior it is that's a horrible behavior and the court said that the act of a sexual assault is not a part you know obviously of the military duty of the victim and that therefore they didn't apply the fairies doctrine and that means they did not uh, throw out that case and they let it uh, so go forward and that's resulted in a car out so uh, so here in the west coast in california that's where i live and all the western states it's where presently you know that is uh you know it's where that is uh so our precedent so a service member that lives within the realm of these uh, so western states these 13 western states if they're sexually assaulted uh, so by a colleague to, uh, yes, where they can sue now. It's where fairies, you know, it's where it's been deemed to uh, not apply. And and so what I would expect is that, you know, eventually, uh, you know, so that kind of case will go up and be in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah, I would, ex- um, I would and, expect every, and, every other circuit, and particularly in the Southern Circuits, uh, Federal Circuit Courts, where there are a lot of military bases and a lot of this kind of uh, sexual harassment and, and, and uh, um, discrimination because you're going to see more of these cases and sooner or later there'll be some conflicts and, and that's the sort of thing that the Supreme Court tries to sort out or iron out. And, right, and, and, right. And so, it, you know, Jim, at present there's a conflict of law between the various uh, – circuits it's where you know every circuit except for the ninth has ruled you know that's where they ruled uh uh the other way it's where they've sided with the uh, the defendant or with the perpetrator and uh, you know said that fairies uh, so does as a bar you know a suit in the context of the sexual assault and so it's for now the ninth circuit it's where we're the outlier now and when there's a conflict of law within the circuits for that is where the supreme court gets involved well i think that actually this is good news for service members that uh partic- no, particularly in those kind of situations where the the egregious act has nothing to do with the uh, service duties, nothing to do with government service, or another way to say it is totally unrelated to a service member's military duties. Maybe, well, maybe Jim, you Jim, have a way to go forward. If I could forward. jump in there, just, Jim, if I could jump in, uh, yeah, just think of the message 
that you know the other circuits are sending uh, to our service members. It's where they're saying that the act of being sexually assaulted is part and parcel of your job in the military. It's where that's what they're saying in uh, so many words. And one has to question just kind of the morality of those judges. You know, how do you as a judge, uh, you know, say, uh, you know, through your decision that being assaulted is a part of the military a duty of a service member? I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you unsupportable know, you think position. about that. Yeah, unsupportable it, position. Yeah, it, it's just, it is beyond the pale. So, so uh, you know, we're, we're beating up on the court here, and probably rightfully so. Uh, uh, hopefully the California Bar Association won't, uh, won't come calling to you, uh, <laughs> Dr. Sterling. But um, there's another way to fix this problem, isn't there, in Washington? Well, yeah. I mean, and, and heck, if, I mean, it's where the California Bar is on my side on this. Um, they, you know, it's where it's clear that, as a fairies is a doctrine that has gone amiss. It's you know way past its expiration date. It's way past kind of the scope that it was for. Uh, it's been applied, as you say. It's, it's it has grown like a weed to areas that it had uh, so no business being applied to. And, the, and so the cow bar is well aware of that, and and they won't be upset with me. It's, the, it's where they'll you know it's where they'll be on my side on this issue. Uh, understood, understood. Um, but 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 yes, it, it's where. Uh, you know, there. You know, it's where there are two ways to change a uh, case law or judge-made law. So one way is having a, you know, is having the, uh, uh, so is to have um, a court decision by either the same court or a higher court to rule, uh, you know, rule the other way. And so here is where the Supreme Court could, you know, rule, you know, could rule the other way and say that either there's a carve out for sexual assault or for medical malpractice or, you know, or whatever, and make another kind of carve out there. But it's where there's also a, a Congress, right? It's where Congress could simply uh, so pass a statute that says that if you are injured or if you were sexually assaulted and you serve in the military, you know, by a service member uh, that you have standing to bring a civil lawsuit. It could be as easy as that one uh, uh, a sentence, and then it would give the standing to all survivors to get the court and sue. Now, I believe you've testified in front of Congress. I why, did. Why I did. haven't? Why have? That seems like a simple, rational, easy solution to this problem. Uh, why hasn't it been implemented? Well, here, Jim, it's it's. I've learned the power of the Pentagon uh, lobby. Um, what what happens here is that it's where the Pentagon, at the highest level of our military, at the very senior level, they love the Ferris Doctrine. And so why do you? And so why do they love it? Because it protects them from civil liability from top to bottom. It, it both protects you know, them individually. As well as the as the whole institution of the military, um, and what employer you know wouldn't you know love to to kind of operate within a world where they can't be sued, where there's no accountability, and I'm not kind of calling out like the morals of our leadership there in the Pentagon, but from you know it's just from a corporate level, they fight a tooth and nail to save fairies and to protect fairies, and so when you know I testified on this back in. 
so 19 in 2000 and so 19 it's where i had uh, the you know consensus of the committee uh, that that was in the house on some military uh, as personnel it's where i had a consensus there um, but then what happened is the pentagon kind of moved in in the background and and, and so basically said that you know they went uh, uh, you know, they went uh, to the members and said, look, if you, you know, attempt to roll back the fairies doctrine, it's well, you'll be painted as being uh, so soft on defense. Um, and and that's what they do. It's where then it's where the kind of assumption is, if you allow there to be civil suits, it's where you're seen as being uh, so, you know, pro the plaintiff's bar, uh, so pro litigation and being kind of soft on defense and and where the pentagon then will 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 get in the way of your reelection, um and and that's what will happen there i saw it and so what happened is you know once that kind of rollout occurred it's where the and it's where the viewpoints of the members uh, so change and, and right and by members i mean you know i mean the house members yeah yeah um it, it's really so, dis- it's yeah. really disappointing that it comes down to that kind of politics but i we i think we can all understand that it does um, Congress could fix this. It'd be a simple fix, but it's unlikely. I think actually uh, the court um, pulling Ferris back and saying that you know is, it was not the original intent to to protect those who are committing rape uh, that's clearly unrelated to service members' military duties is where this will ultimately go. Um, are you hopeful that that will occur, uh, Dwight? Well, Jim, and, and just uh, it, it's where it's where when I went to testify in so nineteen, it's where the context was some medical malpractice. Um, I was a part of a bill. I was I was the expert on a bill that would have um, so allowed um, a service member to bring a civil lawsuit if their doctor made a mistake in terms of the you know in terms of the care that you know in terms of the care that was given uh so a you know uh, there are all kind of errors that happen in the medical uh, um you know with, within the medical uh, scope in terms of just your day-to-day uh like like a pregnancy where there's a hysterectomy where the doctor makes a mistake um, or there's a dentist, right? It's where there are dentists who give too much of the Novocaine sure, sure. and the person will go into a coma. There's all kind of errors that happen there. And we had a uh, so victim after victim who testified to the errors that were made. And if these things happen to, you know, uh, uh, to, to, to uh, if they happen to me or you when we are civilians, if they happen to the audience in, you know, we, you know, if there, you know, if there are civilians and they're harmed by their doctor uh, through the error of of some negligence, it's where they can sue. And doctors are well aware of this. And doctors, you know, it's been well established. It's where they, uh, you know, it's where they give better care and are more so careful. Uh, so if they know that, uh, that they could be held uh, to, to account. Uh, so, uh, uh, so in a court of law, but some military doctors, uh, they don't have this kind of accountability. They uh, so can't be sued f- uh, for, uh, 
They is you know when you know they're they're neg- they can't be yeah, they're negligence. Malpractice. Yeah, they're negligence and, from and, protecting and and, and and so as a result, it's you know it, it's it's where there's more recklessness there. And so that was the context of you know of some of my testimony. And what happened was again, it's where we had the support of the committee. But then after the fact, it's where they all flipped on us. Well, I would hope that uh, the sexual assault harassment area is different and viewed differently, and and maybe Congress would do something, but maybe it won't. But again, I'm back to hopefully the courts will do this. Other circuits will follow what the Ninth Circuit has said, and um, ultimately it's got to be resolved by the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. So I hope uh, veteran radio listeners didn't find this. Uh, hey, this is a little wonky because it it really impacts every service member's life, and there's way too much sexual discrimination or harassment and assault going on in the military, and maybe bringing the element of civil liability to somebody uh, would correct that kind of behavior. Uh, Dwight Sterling, I really appreciate the extra yeah. time you've spent with us today to talk about this issue and uh, encourage you, as I'm sure I don't have to, to continue your fight uh, to deal with the vestiges of the Ferris Doctrine. Yeah, good, Jimmy. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Veterans Radio today. I am Jim Fossone. It's been a pleasure to be your host. I'm a veterans disability lawyer at Legal Help for Veterans, and you can reach us at 800-693-4800 or legalhelpforveterans.com on the web. You can follow Veterans Radio on Facebook and listen to its podcasts and Internet radio shows by visiting us at veteransradio.org. That's veteransradio.org. And until next time, you are dismissed. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. We again want to thank our national sponsors, the National Veterans Business Development Council, nvbdc.org, VA Ann Arbor Health Care System, the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kettles Chapter, Ann Arbor, Michigan. VFW Graf O'Hara Post 423 in Ann Arbor. And the American Legion Press Corn Post 46, also in Ann Arbor. We appreciate all your support. You can go to veteransradio.net, click on the sponsor level, and continue to support keeping Veterans Radio on the air. And until next time... You are dismissed.